Hello and welcome back to the Data for Subscriptions podcast, where we focus on how to succeed with subscriptions and as a services businesses. I'm your host, Pierre Bonin, and I have the pleasure of welcoming Demet to our show again. Demet is CTO and Head of Products at Digital Route. Welcome, Demet. Thank you, Bernard. Thank you for having me. Glad to be back. So last time we spoke, we spoke about journey to usage, which is a good way uh, to describe steps in a path to how to succeed with subscriptions businesses and specifically how we manage usage data well. We touched alternatives in the marketplace, and that's going to be the focus of our discussion today. But before we get there... I'd like for us to start defining data, data management, and usage data, usage data management, because we toggle between these two, and that's going to be quite important when we then discuss the different alternatives in the market. You know, I think almost every single company can measure their activity and their success as such through some units of usage, right? In the past, that units of usage was the same for everybody almost, it was number of boxes that you were shipping from your warehouse, right? How many cars you built, how many guitars you crafted and, and shipped. As the world is moving to everything as a service, that definition of unit of usage is becoming much more granular. And it's really becoming going to the core of what you do as a business. So if you're a streaming company, that's pretty obvious, right? It's the number of seconds or minutes you might spend watching a program. Uh, I think we can all relate to that. If you're a cement company, it could be, um, you know, the number of cubic meters of premixed cement that you're shipping to construction site. And then you might have some complexity to that, like the number of miles that you, 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 you travel, that your trucks have, tra- have traveled. If you're an office facility management company, then it could be a lot of different things. It could be a number of cups, coffee cups that you brew through machines. It could be the number of boxes of copy paper that you delivered, number of employee badges that you scan that day. So a lot of uh, things are very specific to what the company does. A payroll company would be the same thing, right? Mm. If you, or it could be a number of uh, paychecks that you cut that month and, and things. The common point between all these different type of usage data is that, first of all, they are very specific to the core of the business. It's no longer that generic box that was sitting in the warehouse and you ship. It is very specific to the business. Secondly, they are very granular. And... Number three, the definition, that very definition of usage data can change. So that payroll company might be billing today per number of paychecks that they're cutting, but maybe next month it'll be by, by, num- by amount of dollars that they're transacting, right? Or it could vary per customers as well. Right. So it changes. Can you describe how usage data can look like specifically? Yeah, I, I guess from a technical perspective, right. that usage data tend to be, the first thing is that they are, it is messy. Um, a lot of the time, this this data sits in a lot of legacy systems, old systems. Some of it is people entering things in, in a spreadsheet. Um, so it is messy. It can be very, very high volume. Think about our, some of our telecommunication customers, for instance, that would be one extreme. It is also very often a bit unreliable. What it looks like, typically it's a text-based format, very often CSV, JSON, whatever, mm-hmm. but also a lot of very obscure format still there. Um, Typically, you can reach to it through an API, a file, databases are very common uh, places where that we reach into. Inside these files, you will typically see things like uh, how many units, what is the unit, seconds, liter, kilometers, euros, Japanese yens, almost anything that defines your business. Some ID to tie it to one specific consumer or user, and maybe a timestamp. This is typically what, from a technical perspective, what it looks like. Right. Given that description, that gives us a 
at least a picture of why it is complex to manage. But if you could elaborate on it, then what impact does that have for businesses? The complexity of managing usage data. Yeah, as we discussed, it's messy and it tends to be chatty as well, right? Coming uh, with with uh, different speeds, uh, very bursty sometimes. Um, but at the end of the day, it is um, usually far more um, chatty and the, love, the volume is much higher than what the downstream system can handle, right? So you don't want to be your billing system to get hit with every time you consume a cup of coffee, whatever, right? It's going to be a summary at the end of the month, for instance. So the first thing is it is a lot of volume that needs to be summarized. That's number one. However, that, that summary of what you want to deliver to the downstream systems really depends on what your business is, how do you conduct business. And again, this can change, right? Today, maybe you're, you're billing your, your customers on a 30-day period, right? At the end right. of the month, this is what you've done, you get billed. Maybe you're changing. Maybe you're going to a 24 hours period. So the summary needs to be tied to how you conduct your business and it can change. So you need some agility there. The other thing is that the data typically is very, um, <coughs> needs some enrichment, right? So typically we might have a user ID of some kind, but we need to tie that to an actual user or consumer. Um, so you need to enrich the data uh, and correlate that with some other system like a CRM, for instance. And then you need to also tie this typically to pricing plans, products. It might be coming from one specific technical system, but what product is that exactly? So you might have to reach into some of your other systems or your billing system to understand what product this is associated to, what plan and so forth. So this is where it's getting inter interesting. You see that it's a technical problem, mm. but we need to in start incorporating a lot of business concerns. And this, again, I think that's a key uh, red thread here. This changes because your business needs to change and evolve. With that understanding of what usage data is, then why don't we move in and discuss the different alternatives back to the core of our discussion for today. So I'm going to pull up a slide that we're going to use as a background. We've chosen now to uh, categorize the different options between homegrown, ETL and integration vendors, billing vendors, and then pure play vendors. There are probably additional ones we could have talked about, but let's start here today. And um, why don't we start by describing homegrown? I mean, homegrown is typically where, you know, everybody starts, right? That's mm -hmm. a very natural place to start. You you build a service and then you build uh, some uh, scripting around this typically. So so let's say you're, you're offering scooters as a service, right? You build your system, you build your, your scooter, your infrastructure, and then somebody's going to run a script, build a script to basically extract whatever you need from the log files of these systems and somehow message the data so that you can send that to your billing system, for instance. This actually is quite a bit of work to even get started. And is that really where you want your engineers to spend their time on, right? The second problem is that you're starting small, everybody starts small, and you iterate. And maybe your scooter as a service is a hit, and so you're moving from one city to 50 city in nationwide coverage. So suddenly your small script, your 200 megabyte of data that you had to handle in log files suddenly is becoming five terabyte a day. You need to move from one database to a cluster of databases and you've got disaster recovery. And suddenly that one engineer was spending maybe uh, two hours at the end of the week on this, suddenly turning into a, ten, a team of 10 people. When you scale, this is a pretty hard problem because also when you start, you don't really care that much about 
you know, missing, uh, losing a bit of data here and there. But when you have this amount of data, you start losing 10% less of that data due to error processing errors. You start leaking significant amount of revenue that is going to start impacting your bottom line. So, you know, as you scale, this really becomes an issue. You're tying a lot of people into this and the small problems turning into a much bigger problem. The third problem is probably when you start expanding your business into right. different areas. And typically you do this, right? The scooter as a service company might, let's say, acquire another company that is that is dealing with electric bikes. So suddenly they have a system that looks completely different. Instead of having Python script, they've got Java programs to do the data collection, and you have to reconcile these two things. So heterogeneity is becoming a real issue and adding to the complexity. Each of these is adding to the complexity, and suddenly you end up in a situation where the customer might receive, be receiving two bills, right? right? From one company, two bills, one for the scooters, one for, for the bikes, simply because they cannot do otherwise. And all these problems start compounding within in themselves, and, and it's going to impact your business agility. How do you start offering one service discounts across these two services when you cannot even provide one single bill? So there's a lot of problems that start emerging as soon as you start scaling your business as well. This is one place where a lot of people start homegrown. But it's okay when you have a simple problem, one service, one dimension. But as soon as you start going one way, either scaling up or changing the nature of your business, Exactly. You run into problems. And to add to this, subscription businesses have been going on for a couple of years. Many companies started small, as you say, maybe with a single use case, the complexity not that high, partner framework, partner settlement, ecosystems that are so important to provide the rich customer yep. experience, not as prevalent. Then today the situation is very different. And the, ta the take home message when it comes to homegrown is if you look at what your business needs are, Homegrown tends to be a blocker for your business needs while it might have done its job when you start with something simple. So why don't we look at the next alternative here, which is ETL and integration tools, iPaaS and so on. I mean, integration tools are something uh, I'm very familiar with, but um, I mean, these tools are very capable when it comes to connecting typical traditional enterprise systems. It, but what they were really built for is to propagate events from one system to another one. Let's say you have a new employee joining and you know somebody's going to capture that new employee in the HR system. You want to replicate in all the other systems. That's what they were built for. And they also built for very generic um, integration in general. What they cannot do, what they were not built for is aggregation. Aggregation is a key part in the for usage data, something that we really focus on. So it's not just about getting that message. Somebody stepped on a bike. It's not about just forwarding this to another, to the billing system, right? You need to hold on to this. Then you need to measure how much time they spent on it, get the other messages, how long did they spend, how much did they travel. You need to aggregate all these different individual events. And maybe it's not just that trip, but it could be 30 days of trips. You need to aggregate that, and then you need to send a summary. And that pattern is a very specific one to usage and something that really the iPasses, enterprise service passes of the world were not designed for. That's something that is really hard to scale uh, with these tools. And I, again, I'm not saying they're not capable. I I've, I've was involved in, in building many of the market-leading tools in there, and 
So I'm very proud of what we did before, but this is simply not the right tool for a job. This is not what they were built for. And ETL is a bit of a different problem. Um, in a way, ETL tools, extract, transform, and load were built in the database world. Right. So they know very well how to deal with state and aggregation. However, that's again, not what they were built for, right? They were built to, to move huge amount of data from one database right. silo to the next or to a data warehouse, whatever. And so they have some very advanced capabilities when it comes to change data capture and the likes. But really, they operate at a very, very, very low level, very far away from your business um, practices. I mean, this started in the 70s. So I would say any large company out there probably has ETLs that is at least 20 years old, really old. What that means is that over the years, also, they had to build a lot of governance around these tools because, again, these are this is data that sits within your ERP data that sits within your CRM system, a lot of BI concerns around it. So there's a lot of governance around it, rightly so. So trying to build something agile from a business point of view with ETLs is going to be very, very challenging. The people operating the ETLs are really there to do one job and do it well, which is provide this database replication, disaster recovery, very, very, very low level and very hard technical problems, but mm. very, very far away from your business. So next up, we have uh, billing vendors. Many of them do claim that they do usage data management. Uh, we actually work a lot with billing vendors. You know, yeah. our best partners are, are billing vendors. So we know that problem very well. The thing is, billing vendors focus on billing, right? And so they do offer some, I would say, basic introductory introductory level um, usage collection features, but really that's not their job at the end of the day. And this is why we are very close partners with them, right? For any medium to advance usage data uh, problem, we are typically partnering to, together because that's what we do, that's what they do. They focus on building differentiation in the billing world, adding new features, support for new plans and, and the like. So, and we focus on doing the best job when it comes to usage data collection. Let's also finally take the pure play vendors, which are the newest alternatives we can say in the marketplace. What are they and what do they offer? Yeah, and maybe a first comment is that I think it's great to finally see these yeah. some companies emerging because now at least we we are no longer alone. You know, we've been there, uh, alone in this world saying, um, talking about usage data and what we do. And so sometimes it was hard. And now suddenly we start seeing a few of these companies emerging. I think this is great. What's interesting is that the domain is still emerging. And so there is no such thing as a common set of features and everything. And so most of these new entrants, for instance, tend to focus on the very narrow slice of the problem, right? right. For instance, we see some companies focusing on on specifically metering and very focused on API-based approach, for instance. But forgetting a lot of the I would say collection and aggregation approach and problems that we solve as well. So I think there's some interesting things out there. I think it's great to see the emergence of these vendors means that there is a problem to solve. So that's the, the positive thing. The question I would have is uh, be careful about not picking something that is too narrow in focus. And also at the end of the day, it's also <clears throat> important to think about track record. Usage data is probably some of the most precious data you have in your company. There is a very direct line between usage data and the revenue you're going to recognize on your books. So you need some track records. I would say, do your homework, ask for customer references, and pick somebody with a solid track record as well. Not just interesting features on slide, 
but solid track record in, in terms of handling and managing usage data. But that's a great summary. When you look at these four categories of alternatives in the market, and when you put it in the context of usage data management, it's quite striking to some extent how misunderstood um, management of usage data is. Would they maybe the exception of the pure play vendors, which are, I think there is absolutely a place for them in the market, but to stress your point is for a very narrow and very specific use case. I would argue for most businesses that want to make sure that they provide the best platform for them to start, maybe simple and small, but not close any doors to be able to be agile, to be able to innovate on new services, different pricing models, really think twice about where your starting point is because the lesson we learned from the homegrown is that it actually worked okay from the starting point, but now it's turning out to be a problem. So just think a year ahead, two years ahead of where your business is going, how quickly things might change. Consider your competitors in the marketplace and think about that time frame when you make your investment from the right kind of platform. All right, Demet, as we wrap this up, what are your three points of advice for us? Yeah, so to summarize maybe a few things we've already said, but number one, do not underestimate the requirements. Usage data is money. It's easy to, to build a simple script to process a CSV file, but that's not enough. That data is financial data, so you need to provide a lot of things underneath that. You need to have full audit of all that. You need to have, be able to replay it. Think of this as being financial transaction. It is as important. Number two, do not assume that this is going to be a one-time job. It's not about just building it and moving on, right? Because you need to build it first, and then you need to have to be, be you need to be able to revisit it on a regular basis. Because today you might be selling your service in one way. Tomorrow you might decide, well, maybe I want to add a freemium service to that, or maybe I want to to do um, limited subscriptions. Or maybe I want to have different classes of customers in offer. So you need to be able to go back to this and maybe build different buckets, different meters. And so it's not a one-time job. And number three, think about the cost in terms of people to do this. It's easy to overlook the amount of time something like this takes because there is a lot of stake, right? So if you put somebody on this job, it's going to take a lot of their time, a lot of their attention and energy. And as you grow... That again, that one person will grow into a five-person team very, very quickly. Do not underestimate requirement. Usage is money. Do not assume it's a one-time job and you'll be able to move on. No, it's going to be a constant exercise. And number three, think about the people investment that requires if you were to build this on your own. Given the alternatives and the options that we discussed today, right or wrong, there are different ways people can pursue this. We believe there's a better way and less good way, say, how to do this. If you put yourself in the shoes of customers, why do you believe going with a purpose-built, best-in-class software that we believe we provide on DigiRoute is the best option? I think it's a combination of two things. First of all, you need all these features we talked about. It's not just about doing this simple parsing of one file. It's about providing auditability, transactionality, building aggregation at scale. So there's some hard problems underneath that. But at the same time, you need to be agile. And so you need a simple and straightforward tool. Going with a Swiss Army knife that does it all is going to really slow down and really reduce your business agility levels. 
And on the other end, trying to do it on your own is probably not going to, to cut it because you're missing a lot of these hardcore features. So you need to, you know, DigitalRad is a good, I would say, combination of this. You've got a lot of very hardcore features, but you've got a very straightforward uh, built-for-purpose tool dedicated to that will give you that business agility you need. One of the points to add to this that you raised in our previous discussion is in most of the cases that we engage with customers, we tend to see uh, an ROI case, return on investment case, uh, between three to six months. In the most complex of cases, maybe a little bit longer. And you're only speaking about solving for one of the needs, which is typically with a revenue leakage type. And I think that's one that is worth staying on for at least a minute. So return on investment for one of the aspects you've talked about today, the rest is a bonus. And in actuality, those are the real upsides for any business because we're speaking about providing the ideal customer experience to your customers, making sure that you can continuously innovate on services, making sure that you can differentiate towards your own competitors. So I think that's an important one that speaks fairly highly for why you should give yourself the best platform to grow on. And, and, you know, I think a lot of the customers who come to us understand that. I think this is why we're working with some of really the the, the trailblazers in subscription, trailblazers in usage-based billing, right? And these companies are typically, you know, SaaS companies who have been doing this for quite a while. They've got plenty of very skilled, very talented developers. And but why are they coming to us? because they understand that these developers should be spending their time somewhere else. These developers have con confidence in what we do as well, trust us. They just realize this is not the competency. They realize it's a much more complex problem than, this, than they thought it was. And um, this is, I think, we learn a lot working with them. But uh, for sure, there's a lot to, uh, to benefit by freeing these people to work on really what matters. And that's a great point to end on. Thanks so much, Simon, for today. Thank you, Beren.